What is up team? Welcome back. So today I am sharing another Q&A episode I did with my good friend Jeff Hain. Uh, to check out Jeff's content, to check out his podcast, etc. Just check the show notes. I have everything linked up where you can follow him, where you can connect with Jeff there. Um, in this episode, we dug into a lot of questions I really enjoyed. Do you have to track for macros for forever? Are glute finishers a waste of time? Which I think is definitely something that needs addressed. Um, how to program weight training and cardio in the same session, the best lower body exercises for hypertrophy, and a couple other questions along with that. So I really enjoyed this episode. I know you will as well. Without any further ado, hey guys, let's welcome get to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is another uh, Q&A with Jeremiah Bear. Jeremiah, welcome back on, man. Yo, thank you for having me back. Dude. I'm stoked to be back once again. Yeah, so this is number, I've lost count by now. It doesn't even matter at this point anymore. You and, I think you and Brandon are one and two for most podcast appearances. <laughs> Let's go. Um, cool, man. So yeah, I guess since you've been on last, any any update on your part? I know uh, you kind of mentioned you got sick for a little bit. How's training? Anything anything new on your end? Yeah, dude. Um, I feel like honestly, things have been pretty similar until we last talked. I went through a metabolic phase just basically just focusing on bringing up your conditioning. I have to say that was the worst, dude. <laughs> Not my favorite thing by any means. Um, I was very glad to have that done. So basically what that looked like was like a lot of compound movement supersets. So like, for example, there, so it was full body training. You would have posterior and anterior days. So for example, you might do like a trap bar deadlift into an upper back pull down. Um, with like 60 seconds between and then the last two weeks it would drop to like 45 seconds between and still leaving a decent amount on the tank like two to three reps most of the time so like very much you wanted kind of your heart rate your cardio system to be the rate limiter rather than like muscular fatigue definitely was a lot different than anything i've done before i again will say that's definitely not my favorite way to train and now i'm back to a neural phase or a strength phase really just focusing on pushing strength more um and yeah, like we talked about before, I'm working with a coach and I would say like, if I was programming for myself, that's definitely not like what I would be doing right now, nor would I have probably stuck out four weeks of a metabolic phase, but that's exactly why I'm working with a coach, right? I want to expose myself to new things. I want to learn new things. So that's really where I've been at. I, for me, like food has stayed pretty much the same for the last couple months here, honestly. Um, pretty, I'm in a pretty good place. I'm right around 208 right now. Um, so still stayed pretty lean. I would say right now my primary focus is just on enjoying my training, getting stronger, building muscle over time, but also making sure like within that I'm learning things that are very applicable to my clients and like being the best coach I can continuing to build our coaching service. Those are really like my biggest priorities. So as we talked about before, still training four days per week. I, I've really, really enjoyed dropping from six days a week to four days per week, just because as you understand with everything that goes into coaching and continuing to grow your coaching service that takes a lot as well and i know that you have you train six days per week so i know you understand what that loads like so um i really enjoyed that man but yeah that's basically where i'm at cool yeah the six six days per week is is good for a period of time but definitely you know after a while it, it can be it can be tough to hit each week too especially if you have anything going on i mean there really is not very flexible uh in right. terms of that uh so metabolic phase it sounds a lot like almost just a in a way, almost kind of like an endurance type phase, essentially, kind yeah. of, where it's just like high, high, pretty high training volume as well. So there's two ways you could approach that. Basically, there's so this is something that's very much pulled from N1. There's systemic metabolic, where your number one focus is going to be like just conditioning. So like what I was doing, well, I mean, relatively higher volume, but I wouldn't necessarily like coin it as extremely effective volume, right? Like I definitely wasn't leaving that just feeling like I was absolutely smashed because I was still leaving a lot in the tank as you're supposed to. But again, like the main goal there is improving conditioning. On the flip side, there's also what you would call a local metabolic phase where we would be much more focused on. So like before where I was talking about, like I was doing like, for example, posterior anterior and I was doing like a trap bar Romania deadlift superseted with an upper back pull down. Okay, here would be more of an example of where we're focusing on like those supersets are both focused on one single muscle. So like we have a superset for biceps, like probably short and lengthened, superset for back, superset for chest. That wouldn't be nearly as shitty 
And probably if the goal was like, Hey, I'm skinny fat. We want to improve nutrient partitioning, for example. Um, that could be helpful in that regard. I, that, I know that's like from in one's perspective, that's the way that they approach it where like, Hey, this will probably improve nutrient partitioning. Um, you'll get a crazy pump in this specific muscle uh, rather than, and it will improve conditioning too, because you're still like supersets, short rest periods, et cetera. Um, I kind of forgot where I was going with that, but yeah, that's like the two different ways you could approach it. But I was definitely like on that systemic end where overall it was just like, Hey, we want you to be pretty winded. You're doing a lot of compound movements that incorporate a lot of muscle tissue, but not necessarily going too close to failure. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, it, it seems like again, with all this stuff, there's kind of still the same like basic principles. It's just kind of just a little bit yeah. different, you know, like for example, the neuro phase, you know, like I'm sure, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than like a regular strength phase, but at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, the main goal of it is a little bit lower training volumes, more focused on like lower rep range. Am I, uh, am I kind of on the, the right path there with that? Yeah, no, for sure. Like, what it's been like a year and a half ago now, but we took you through like a primer phase, right? Where you were basically going through a strength phase and like the, the concepts, the reasons we're not doing the reasons we're doing that really aren't that different. And then like, I know we've talked about taking you through a neural phase in the near future. Like the reasoning behind that isn't that different. It's still like all these basic principles still apply. And I know we're talking about this a little bit off air. Like it's easy to get pretty caught up in the weeds of all these different, like, nuances but yeah it's still like the same basic principles right cool so uh it sounds like overall training's going well still still sticking uh with it even though you, you got sick for a little bit there so uh that's good to hear and um it's sounds like it's obviously you're still focused on your body composition but it's more so you're trying to learn new things uh to implement it, uh, for your clients absolutely yeah i still want to get as jacked as i can but no for sure i, I would say learning and like learning new things we can apply to work clients is the number one priority as of now. Awesome. Um, any, any, anything else you want to update the, the audience on before we hop into the questions? I don't think so, dude. Let's get these questions. Cool. Yeah. Let's get them rolling. I, that wasn't a trick question or anything like that. I, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going somewhere with that. But. Um, cool. Yeah. So, so I'll dive into the first one here. I got this one on Instagram today and I thought it was a good one. And I think you're a good person to go over this. So it was, uh, Advice for, advice for someone who wants to stop macro counting um, eventually at some point, but maintain their weight. And they kind of mentioned too, like, is macro counting something that they are always going to have to do? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So definitely not something you always have to do. Um, I would say it's kind of like, I always, I think macros very, macro counting is very easy to compare to banking, right? So let's say you have like this aggressive saving goal. Or like, let's say you're in a fat loss phase, for example, I'm like, Hey, I need to make sure I don't spend X amount no matter what, or I'm going to ruin like my progress towards this goal on this day, right? During those times, it makes a lot of sense to focus on looking at your bank account very consistently, making sure you have like this budget that you're adhering to very tightly. Now on the flip side, once you get to the point where it's like, Hey, I just want to maintain what's in my bank account. I feel great here. You can kind of just like, Hey, I know I deposited about this much. I know I spent about this much and I know I'm kind of like maintaining this homeostasis here. Um, similarly, we can kind of apply that to macros, right? I think that it is very, very hard to achieve a body composition goal. If you haven't tracked macros in the past without tracking macros, right? So like most people that start coaching with us don't start simply because, Hey, I just want to maintain and stay exactly where I'm at. Um, they want to achieve something like I want to lose fat. I want to build muscle or I want a combination of both. Right. So within that tracking macros is going to be the easiest way for us to see what your intake looks like, to help adjust your intake, to see what nutrients you might be missing, to see like your food logs on a consistent basis. How can you better fuel yourself in your training? How can you better recover? How can we get better with like the flexible dieting side of things? Now, the cool thing about that is like throughout the coaching process, because we're working and I know you do the same, like we're working with our clients very individually to make sure like, Hey, okay. You understand how to manage weekends out and we can like use your macros as a way to gauge, like what fits within this budget, for example, or like your fat loss, your calorie deficit we're creating again, like 
what does your budget look like? Here's the best way to fill that budget with different foods to make sure you're hitting all your food needs, your protein needs, et cetera. Now, the cool thing about that is over time, all these things like, hey, I'm eating adequate protein or, hey, I know I'm going out later tonight, so I should probably focus mostly on lean protein and maybe like fruit and veggies with my first couple of meals to save more calories for later. All those things kind of become habits so that when we do get to this place, we're like, hey, I just want to maintain my body composition. Um, it's easier to like, okay, cool. I have all these habits in place. And again, like maintenance is probably for some people, gaming is probably the easiest thing to do. Not always, but maintenance is like, we have a lot of room for flexibility with the maintenance. Maintenance is very much a range. Like a lot of people have like a low end of their maintenance where like, Hey, we can take your calories, let's say down to 1900 before you start losing. And let's say maybe we can take them up to 2300 before you actually, or even 2400 before we actually start to see consistent gaining, right? Like there's a range there that we have a good amount to work with. So like when it comes to maintenance, first and foremost, that's the cool thing about the coaching process. And I know that most people listening are probably working with the coach or considering it, right? Like that's the cool thing about what we do is by the time you go through that, you have all these habits in place. Now on the flip side, like an example of where this probably would be a successful would be like, Hey, I just started tracking my calories to make sure that I'm not eating more than 1100 calories. I'm fucking starving, but I see that I'm losing weight quickly. I haven't really focused on my habits or any of these things. I just want to lose weight as quickly as I can from there. Like you're not going to have these habits in place to maintain. Right. So that's an important caveat to that, but you absolutely can then from there, like one, just focusing on these habits. Like if you focus on, okay, I want to eat a big ass serving of protein with each of my main meals. So let's say three to four times a day, I'm going to eat a big ass serving of protein. Um, I'm going to try to fill up mostly on protein and fruits or veggies first. So basically like I would say, Hey, three of my meals have a big ass serving of protein. So we could say like two palm sizes of protein and a carb source that came from the earth. So again, like a fruit, a vegetable, a potato, potatoes, a vegetable, right? I think so. Doesn't it seem like it kind of walks like a yeah. gray area there? Yes. Okay. Anyways, dumb question, I think. But, uh, anyways, if you really like it for that sort of structure, and again, like we're taking into account, like, Hey, where do I really need to, where is it really worth it for me to splurge? right? Like to spend more calories and then like considering, okay, so like I'm spending more here. So can I like pull back a little bit earlier? Like that example, I use a focusing most on lean protein for your first two meals. If you know you're going out later, like by the time we get to this point, most people have that in place. Um, and I would say like a lot of our clients who don't want to track long-term when they get to maintenance, we'll focus on, okay, we're going to take like two days to start out where you're not tracking the other five days you're going to track. Let's see how this goes for the week. Typically, it'll be like, hey, what do you think is the hardest day? Would be the hardest day for you to maintain on. That's probably the last one we'll remove when we're tracking. But over the course of a couple of weeks, we'll remove more and more and more <laughs> days where we're tracking. And again, we're just focusing on those guidelines like, hey, let's eat at least three to four palm sized portion or three to four big ass servings of protein per day. Let's try to get at least two servings of fruit, two servings of veggies, et cetera. Right. Like if we have those in place, it's kind of hard to overdo calories because we're focusing on very filling, but relatively low calorie foods. So yeah, you definitely don't have to track for forever. It's not your jam. Like I know you're a good example of this dude. Um, you typically don't track like two days per week. Sometimes it gets to be like four. <laughs> that's that's where we have a problem. Hey, don't, don't call me out on here. Come on. Uh, but again, like it's, no, you don't always have to track in a very, in a very like long winded answer. That's, those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that, you know, at some point you definitely don't have to, uh, mm -hmm. for sure. I, I don't think that that's practical for most people either to always track forever. Um, I, I think mm -hmm. a few things off of that, uh, sometimes when I think it is important to track and you kind of hit on this, but Definitely after you go on like a fat loss phase, you probably still want to track for a little bit. I wouldn't go from just straight like tracking, being in a deficit and then not tracking because at that point you may think that you're ready to, but that's probably the most important time to continue to track uh, is when you're coming off of a fat loss phase, just because, you know, your body's going to be primed to want to eat more. Um, so if you listen to your body, you're going to, overeat and probably gain a lot of weight back. So I, I would say then, you know, definitely make sure if you go through a fat loss phase that you are taking some time to not uh, just 
don't go straight off the tracking. Make sure you're still tracking for a period of time. And then on the other end of that, the building part, um, when you're in building phase, this is something that, you know, I, I always, before I started uh, coaching with you, I never really tracked during an off season. And like when I'm trying to like right. build, because I just felt like, Hey, that was a time to not, but I mean, what's the biggest reason why people don't want to build? They're worried about like fat gain. Right. And so to me, it's almost like more important to track during a building phase to make sure mm-hmm. like if, especially if you don't want to see excessive amounts of fat gain to track during that time, because you really don't need to be in that large surplus. Like people think they need to be in these huge ass surpluses, but you really don't have to be in that big of a surplus. And so I think it's important there if, if fat, if you're worried about fat gain to track during that time. Um, but obviously again, like you said, you don't have to. And, and I think that after a period of time, you know, maybe if you're not building and you're just maintaining, I think it is good to maintain or to not track and maintain. But I do think it's important to still track certain things, correct? I mean, things like body weight. Are there any other things that you would have somebody like still at least pay attention to? Because I, I think that a mistake you can make is not track anything. But mm-hmm. I still think there's some things that you want to track in terms of like your body weight, stuff like that. That's a good point. I know that like one of the most common habits of people to successfully maintain weight is that they do weigh themselves consistently. I think that's, I think like the fat loss forever Lane Norton's book is where I read that. That's a good point. I think it's very important. And I would honestly say like, if your goal is just maintenance, that's probably the biggest thing because the rest of it would vary by individual, right? Like I would say for some people, it'd be very important to look at your logbook, right? For other people, it'd be very important to look at like, how's your biofeedback? Like how's your energy levels? Where's your hunger at? Um, what's your libido like? And that would err more towards like, hey, are we accidentally losing? And like, you might not want to be in that place versus like, are we accidentally gaining? I think probably for the context of this question, most people are worried about gaining rather than gaining it back. Then like, oh shit, I'm accidentally like getting more shredded. Right. Um, So really in that case, I would say weight is probably the most important thing. If strength is staying very similar in the gym or is increasing and you're maintaining your weight, I think those are going to be if like we're maintaining those, then we can probably be pretty confident that you're not gaining fat or like losing muscle and gaining fat, thus your weight is staying the same. So I would really honestly say like strengthen, strengthen your training and your weight are going to be the most important things there. Yeah, no, I agree. Those are, those are both important. Uh, I had, I had another good uh, point there or thing that I wanted to bring up with that. So, Oh man, I freaking lost my train of thought. This happens uh, from time to time, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, definitely, definitely track those things. Oh man, it's going to come back to me. Do you ever like whenever you you are on a podcast and you're interviewing somebody, and you're like, all right, don't forget this. It like causes oh, you to like forget it. Always. <laughs> when I'm interviewing someone else, if someone's interviewing me, I feel like I have like an increased ability to remember things and put my thoughts together. But when I'm interviewing someone, I feel like a dumbass. I'm just like, I completely forget what I always have. Like someone say something, I have such a good thought to ask to like follow up. But by the time they're done with it, and I think it's probably because people just like, like I'm doing here, like go on such long tangents. It's hard to remember that, but I'm always, and then it gets to the, like their end of their point. I'm always like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I don't remember I what I was going to say. So let's just move on. Uh, I know, damn it. I did have a good point there that I wanted to make, uh, on that. Um, it's, it's going to come back to me. I know it and I'm going to stop you. No, I'm not going to stop you. Um, but yeah, no, no I, I think it's important though. Like you don't always have to track. I think people think that, uh, you, you do always have to track, but you, you, you don't, um, it's just, it's a good tool to learn how to eat correctly. And then you can obviously, like you said, if you learn these habits, you can start to apply them and you can get away from tracking at least for a period of time. I think and then if you ever want to go back to it, you always can. You have that, you have that skill now to where you know how to track it, and, but you don't always have to do it for, for the rest of your life. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool. Did you want to ask your next question? Yeah, I have, cause I got a decent amount of questions as well for this. Are glute finishers a waste of time? I like this question a lot. Oh man. That's, that's a good one. Uh, are glute finishers, I guess like, I kind of remember doing these when I was like younger, like finishers, like you would like, basically you would do your regular workout. And at the end you would just kind of do like a, I guess like a drop set or like you just kind of like just do some like metabolite type training at the end of a, in the end of your workout. For this, I would say like probably think like a bunch of at the end of your workout, you would a bunch of booty band work. Like let's say like banded 
sumo squats, supersetted with like band kickback, supersetted with band hip thrust for like high reps and you're just focused on feeling the burn. I think that's probably a pretty good definition for glute finishers. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just take this as like finishers in general. I feel like with those, you know, and, and you can obviously, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you'll have some thoughts on this too, but like with any of that stuff, you know, the, the main goal of building muscle is, and that's why we want to do it, right? We want to, we want to build muscle, I'm assuming. And when it comes to finishers, like my thing with that is uh, to me that that's probably gets to the point to where you're starting to get into like jump volume essentially with training. Um, because for a few reasons, you know, you are doing that at the end of a workout where you already probably did some glute work. So glutes already got a good stimulus. And we know that when it comes to volume, it's kind of a, uh, inverted U. So you get to a certain point and then once you get to that point, you know, it's, it's good. And then after that, you kind of start to get some diminishing returns, not that it's bad, but you just start putting in extra work and you're not getting as much return for it. And I feel like if you already did plenty of glute work, you're probably at that point. And then also you're doing probably high rep sets with it, right? Like you're probably doing a lot of reps and with that research. So shows that when you get in these higher rep sets, you really, it's really, really important to get close to failure on that. So if you're doing them and you're not getting close to failure, it's probably not very effective. And I had Jordan Litz on a couple of weeks ago and he, and I know he's kind of big within one and, and I guess they're kind of showing that these higher rep sets are also like actually pretty fatiguing systemically more than we thought. I listened to that episode. That was super interesting to me. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's that as well that, that goes into it. But for me, the big thing is in order to, uh, get a good stimulus. Again, we, we want to, we don't want to go to failure, but we want to get close to failure. And then when you do these higher up sets like that, you really want to go close to failure. And the downside with that is that stuff sucks. Like getting close to failure on those things, like high reps sucks. And I feel like if you're not more advanced or intermediate, you're probably going to be leaving some on the table there and you're just kind of doing extra work. So to me, I, I feel like finishers are just kind of more junk volume than anything. So I'm curious yeah. to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, I know that like even a couple of years ago, I would say probably until like a year ago, I programmed finishers consistently because I didn't understand this that well until at least this component of it. But the thing to understand there is like your muscles grow not as a response to what you feel. So just because you feel a muscle burning doesn't necessarily mean that it's growing, right? Your muscle grows as a response to tension, right? You have to place a lot of tension on a muscle in order for it to grow. So like when we're looking at like a booty band finisher, which I think is probably safe for us to like say is what we're discussing here, where again, like let's use that example of you're doing like side to side lateral walks into kickbacks into like a hip thrust, right? And you're doing like 30 reps of each one, like your point of, okay, we're probably still not taking like the amount of tension we can actually generate in a muscle with a booty band is minuscule, right? Like there's a reason you can do so many reps and even if you do 30 reps of each, Yes, you might feel the burn, but we're probably not actually getting close enough to failure to stimulate new muscle growth. Like maybe there's a little bit of metabolite accumulation there, but it's going to be like a very minuscule benefit, right? So what I would say, like if your goal is to grow the glutes and also like typically these movements are these like a glute finisher is focused on movements that aren't actually very conducive to glute growth. Like if we look at your glutes, we really want to focus on your glute max, which is the biggest muscle of the glute, right? Whereas like typically these are going to be like side to side walks, which are going to focus more on like your glute med and these smaller muscle groups versus like the larger muscle groups. So really like we want to target glute max. That's basically going to come from movements like um, Romanian deadlifts, reverse lunges, a glute focused leg press, etc. So like what I would say is if your goal is to grow your glutes, it might not necessarily be detrimental to like have a glute finisher, but you would probably just get a lot more out of, okay, I'm going to focus on two movements that are going to primarily overload my glute max in the lengthened position. So for example, we could say like a hip dominant trap bar deadlift. Um, and let's say like a deficit reverse lunge with a forward lean, you're getting a big stretch on your glute at the bottom. And then one movement that's going to overload it in the short position, right? Like the, the research shows us the length of position is going to be most stimulative for muscle growth. And then let's say so that short position movement could be like a 45 degree back extension or a barbell hip thrust, right? And like, if you have those three components 
at least twice a week. I would say for some people, like three times a week, probably most people three times a week would probably be pushing it. But if we had like those components twice a week, and then we're adjusting volume and intensity around those. So like, Hey, can I recover from a little bit more? How's my progress? Should I add more sets? Should I decrease sets? That's where I would allocate all your glute training time because well, like the glute finishers might not be detrimental, your time could be spent more effectively elsewhere. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I like that answer. I think like you basically there you're saying, you know, it's not they're just you can't just say they're bad, right? They're not just bad. It depends what else is going on. This kind of reminds me, I'm gonna bring this back to food. This kind of reminds me of like finishers are almost kind of like adding in like tasty food to your diet, right? Like if if that's the bulk of your diet, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. But if you have these other things already in place and you still have a little bit of room left over, like, you know, it's fine to to throw some of that in there. I would even say then, like if you have room left over, I would probably allocate it to something that's going to be more productive. So, but I, 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 I appreciate your analogy. So, so my analogy, then let me go one step further on that analogy. So then it's like, <laughs> essentially you're, it's the processed food is like a uh, processed food that you're not super thrilled with, but it has a lot of calories in it. I would say it's kind of like glute finishers are kind of like alcohol. Okay. Where it's like, mm, yeah, it's probably not going to contribute. I know I can work it in in this probably. And I mean, we could argue detrimental or not. Anyways, I don't, we don't have to get too deep in this conversation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, I mean, it, it, there's, you can spend your time more wisely than, than usually than doing those at, at the end of your workout. I mean, really to, right. to sum that up. Um, right. Yeah, no, I remember the, the thing that sucks with those is I feel like people, it just is a way to get, like an extra pump, I think. And like people probably assume that that means that they're building a ton of muscle, but I don't know about you. And this was something that I thought about as you were talking to, I feel like that also, I, correct me if I, I don't know if you see this, but I, I feel like I've been seeing this a lot more lately when I look at clients programs, like you'll tell them, Hey, you know, we want to, we want to add weight. We want to get stronger, right. We want to progressively overload over time. Do you notice sometimes that when you look at like more accessory movements, you see them like increasing weight on those, but then you look at like the, uh, more compound lifts and you'll see those are a little bit slower. It seems like people are a little more afraid to add weight to those because they're just like tougher than the accessory list, but then they'll add a little bit more weight to the accessory list. Do you ever, do you see anything like that? I'm not trying to be difficult, but I don't, I don't really, I don't see that too. I'm trying to think. I feel I, cause I did a bunch of programming yesterday and I know, so I looked through a ton of log books. I would say like, it comes up a lot more frequently for me. Like, people are frustrated because their isolation movements aren't progressing as quickly as their compound movement. And it's like, Hey, we have to understand, like if you added five pounds of your lateral raise every week, like you'd be lateral raising the seventies. I, I, I would say like from what I see, that's more common. Um, but I would say like to, to your point, like the first couple of weeks with the client, I think like where you're coming from is typically more common where it is like, Hey, I'm making more and more progressions, larger jumps on these isolation movements, but my compound movements are like more or less staying similar. And that's like typically where like, Hey, we have to just push a little bit harder here because you have more in the tank. Um, that, and is that kind of what you're meaning? Yeah. Just cause like I had somebody kind of talk about like, Hey, their, their squat was plateauing, but you see like accessories <clears> go up and it's just like, look, like the, the unfortunate thing is you are just going to kind of have to push yourself and just do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just one of those lifts that it's going to suck no matter what. And you're going to feel like you can't do more, but you just kind of yeah. have to, to push yourself. I would say like, I do see that sometimes with compounds and almost always in that scenario, like, cause you can very clearly see it. Someone is logbook and you're like, Hey, you're kind of sandbagging this. I'll almost always like say, Hey, I want one, like for movements like that. I do like, like, Hey, the last set here is going to be an AMRAP set. We're going to try to go to zero to one RIR. I don't want you to actually fail, but I want you to go to the point where you don't have another good rep in the tank. Right. And typically it's like a muscle group. Like I can think of one client where it's back for his, he like tends to sandbag things on his pulling movements a little bit more. So we have like more of those. And then also like, Hey, for that AMRAP set of, let's say we have two back movements, I want you to drop me a form video every week of that set. Right. And typically that helps with like, it's a lot of accountability for you to like, okay, is this really like, am I really taking it there? I, I found that to be pretty helpful. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, you're being super difficult today, man. I, can you just agree with I'm me? I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. Um, all right. So let, let's go uh, to, to the next one. Um, so this one is how to program weight training and cardio in the same session. Um, man, the context would be. Let's say, for mu- just, let's, say, let's say for muscle growth. Say this person okay. does muscle growth. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would first ask, hey, do you need to do cardio? I think that's an important thing to ask. Um, like, what's your nutrition like? Because in most cases for like a gin pop person wanting to get leaner and lose body fat, it's very, very, very rare that we have to combine like cardio and training in the same session, right? Like most people, it's just not very often something someone actually needs, right? Which is why, like, as you can tell, I'm kind of struggling to answer the question. Um, I would say, like, if you're going to do cardio and strength training, I would do, if the goal is to, I would prioritize doing first whatever is most important to you, right? So, like, if the goal is to build muscle, I would do that first. I would also say probably I would try to avoid doing, um, like hit after cardio, I'd probably like, if you want to go like hop on an incline treadmill, for example, and like walk, I'd probably keep it to a lower instance intensity modality, because again, we don't want like a massive. And again, like this is probably in hairs, but there is going to be some interference effect there. We're basically seeing our body sig- mix signals for the adaptations that should make like, is it muscle growth or is it like more cardio based? Uh, so I would keep it lower intensity. I will say like sometimes we'll have someone that's deep in a photo shoot prep or pushing hard. Hey, you need to do like a 30 minute incline walk after this session. Like sometimes that'll come up. Typically, even then what I'll try to do is pair it with like, okay, well let's try not to pair that. Of course you're going to be using your legs more for your cardio. So let's try to pair that with like upper body days if at all possible. But again, I would say like the, unless you're deep in like a photo shoot prep or like getting ready for a bodybuilding show, Honestly, you could probably, you probably don't need to be doing this. And it's probably honestly like something you should be doing better with your nutrition. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, the, the one thing that you brought up that I liked was, you know, do what, do what you want to prioritize. But, uh, I definitely think that, and again, it's, it's also goal dependent on, on what you want to do as well. Cause if muscle growth is your goal, you probably should, I mean, you don't really need to do that much cardio in general, but definitely try to keep it as far away from the training session as possible if you can. But if you can't, you know, try to do something that, uh, do the one that you want to, um, prioritize. Probably if I were to choose though, if I had to choose for you, I would say do the weight training before the, before the cardio and then try to just like separate like the muscle groups. Like if you're doing lower body, maybe you shouldn't do bike or something like that. You know, maybe it should be something that's a little bit more upper body or like do like the rower like battle ropes or battle rower. ropes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even like the battle ropes, so then that would more or less have to be like high intensity. Well, so. and, and too, and as I'm saying this, it, it sounds like you really probably don't want to do your cardio on the days that you have lower body training, because really any cardio is probably going to have the lower body be involved. Mm-hmm. No matter what. I mean, even rower is going to have a little bit of, of right. quads in it. So, um, Definitely probably would probably don't want to do it on, on the lower body day. But like you said, I, I, I think people, I don't know with cardio, it's cardio is an interesting <clears> one. Um, you know, what you do throughout the day is more important anyway. So that's why, you know, I'm a big fan of steps. I do think that you probably should get your heart rate up from time to time. It's just probably good for your overall health, but you know, what you do throughout the day is more important anyways than like a cardio than like what you do in a 30 minute cardio session anyways. So, yeah, I would say again, like I would really, I would say like, if you literally like send a follow-up question to Jeff Ryan, like explain what your program is, we could probably like get a little bit deeper into what you could adjust to make this a non-issue. Because again, like, as you said, like if you're hitting a step goal, nutritional at all point, you probably like shouldn't be to the point yet where you have to combine the two. Cool. Um, next question I have, best lower body exercises for hypertrophy. Oh man. <clears throat> um, so I think, so to me, this is, I think, more preference than anything, right? Like, I think this is all a preference type thing um, in terms of what you like best and what you can stick to. Uh, but in saying that, obviously, there's probably some exercises that are going to be better than, than others. Um, so I'll just go from this 
from a standpoint, I guess, of what I like to program for clients. Um, so obviously, you know, the basics, you know, your squats, uh, deadlifts are going to be, you know, not so much conventional deadlift, but more like Romanian deadlifts. I really have been getting into, I like, I think the trap bar is great. I think the trap bar is great for people. Um, but one thing that I have been really getting into that I like is heel elevated stuff for the quads. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I know I'm doing those two split squats. Those are just killer on the, on the quads. Um, oh, yeah. anything that you can get a heel elevation, I feel like really helps the quads. Uh, mm-hmm. so again, back squats, um, I like heel elevated goblet <laughs> squats, uh, heel elevated, uh, split squats, I think are great. Um, and, and then, I mean, just a regular old hip thrust is good for the glutes. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of my favorite lower body ones. What are, what are some of yours? Yeah. So, I mean, like specific to hypertrophy, when I'm programming for a client, I'm going to look at, okay, how can we set them up to place as much tension on the target muscle as possible without having like with thinking as little as possible. Right. Because the more we have to think about like all these nuances and complexities of a movement, um, typically the harder it's going to be to actually get a good hypertrophy stimulus. Right. So, and that's where machines really shine or even like, even like a heel elevation is a good example of that, right? Like say we want to make a split squat, very quad focused. Okay. If I elevate your heel, like for example, for you with the Jewett split squat, which for the listeners that don't know is basically you're in a split stance, both feet are on the ground, front heel is elevated. And we're also holding on to something for stability. So if I elevate your heel automatically, that's going to force your knee to travel forward a lot more than it would otherwise. Right. So automatically we're putting you in a position where like, without you having to think too hard about it, you're going to get a little bit, you're going to get a good bit more quad tension. This is also really where machines shine. And again, like keep in mind, this is all specific to hypertrophy, but like we get in a hack squat or a leg press. Typically it's easy for us to just load that up, not have to think too terribly hard and just create a ton of tension in your quads, for example. Right. Whereas even like a barbell back squat or a barbell front squat, we have to like think about all these different things. Um, which can like make it a little bit harder to actually take in the point where we're stimulating new muscle growth. I would say then from there, typically I'm looking at what's the rate limiter here, which is a very similar conversation with like, okay, what's the thing that's actually causing me to stop the set? Is it the target muscle tissue, which is what we want? Or is it like my grip strength, my core strength is giving out before my quads are on my back squats, for example. Okay. Then I'm not actually gonna be able to quit training my quads out effectively. Um, so those are important things to look at past that. I would say again, like it's going to vary from person to person. I also really like Renaissance periodization stimulus to fatigue ratio. Like if we're looking at hypertrophy specifically, how much stimulus do we get from a movement? So basically like how much do we disrupt the muscle? Um, to an extent, do we get a good pump from it? And that's going to vary like hair retraining quads or retraining hamstrings. Not very many people are going to get like a crazy hamstring pump, but how much stimulus do we get from this movement versus how much fatigue do we incur right now? Some movements are going to be great. We're going to get a ton of stimulus from them. We're also going to incur a decent amount of fatigue. For example, like a barbell or a trap bar Romanian deadlift still going to be pretty fatiguing. There's going to be a lot of loading in your spine there, but also like crazy stimulus for hamstrings and glutes. On the flip side, if we look at like a conventional deadlift to your point, okay, for hamstrings, glutes, for hypertrophy specifically, not a huge amount of stimulus, but also a lot more fatigue than your Romanian deadlift previously. So like probably that Romanian deadlift for hypertrophy generally is going to be a better fit. Now, like Andrea and I just answered like a question about like are conventional deadlifts good for muscle growth? Yes or no. And like, there's so many nuances there. Like that's our podcast that goes out on Monday. I know we answered that question as well. So like, it's not like saying you shouldn't do conventional deadlifts, but, um, that's also something I'm really weighing in. So I would say like really for, and again, we're keeping this lower body. I would say, especially lower body considering one, what's the rate limiter, right? Two, what's the stimulus to fatigue like? And again, like in a situation like that, like even like a barbell back squat, It'll vary from person to person who it works best for. But a lot of times there'll be things we need to be like, okay, let's elevate your heels. Do we want this to be quad more quad focused? Okay, let's elevate your heels. Hey, is your core strength a problem here? You always hurt your back when you do these. Okay, then like maybe this isn't the best fit for you. Let's plug in like a hack squat or a leg press. So it varies. I can't, and also like from person to person, that's why like most of our clients rate like, hey, what's the pump? What's the disruption you got from this movement? Because it'll be different like for you 
that Jewish split squat works great. For some people, it's like, oh man, like this kind of just hurts my knee joint and we're looking at your form videos, they look good, but still like you're just not getting a ton out of it. Okay, so maybe for you, it is like a different variation of this pattern or a different like squat pattern of the whole. Um, but those are some things rather than saying like, these are the best movements, I would say those are, those are some things to consider. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no, that that's a good point. I mean, that's, it, it's so hard to say what the best exercise is because, and I was gonna, I'm gonna have a post that comes out this week. And I just like, I, I feel like lately I've been seeing a lot of like, hey, this is the best exercise for this. This is the best technique to do it. And while I think that as a whole, there's probably some things that work best for <clears throat> most people. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it, right? Like, for example, one that I've been seeing lately is uh, a decline, decline bench, right? Like I think for the longest time it was like really? decline bench is terrible. And uh, I'll, I'll dive into who, who is actually saying it, but like decline bench, you know, was like, oh, it's terrible. Right. Which we can dive into the decline bench in a minute as to why, but my thought is like, and, and then now lately I've been seeing some stuff about, Hey, you know, it's actually, you know, not that bad, blah, blah, blah. And so my thought is like, look, if an exercise is good for, like, if, it, if somebody feels it in the muscle, like who are we to say that it isn't a good exercise or technique for them? I think, again, there's certain exercises that probably as a whole are good and certain techniques that are good, but I, I just feel like there's, it's very individual there for that. Right. Um, yeah. I'm curious I mean, to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, even like feeling it. I think like also that's what somewhat like as a coach, not necessarily like as a client, I don't think that people need to like take biomechanics courses, but it is also to like kind of understand as I know you have a great understanding of like, Hey, does this movement put my, in simplest terms, does this movement put my muscles in a position to be successful? Because also like if we said like, Hey, just like, does, do you feel this movement or not? Okay. Well, most people like if we just do like a bunch of short position overload movements, like you're going to feel all those a lot because you're really overloading the contracted position, but yeah, you feel those, but that shouldn't be like what most of your training is made up of. I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting conversation for sure, but go yeah. on. I interrupted you. Yeah, no, 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 no. hundred percent. I, I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on that, but no, I, absolutely. That's why I think again, like as a whole, there's probably some exercises are going to be better. There's going to be some techniques that are better, but I feel like you can get so caught up in like, Oh, I have to do it this way. I have to do it that way that you can kind of get yourself in, in trouble there. But no, I, I agree that. And this is something that I put in that post. Like, I mean, look, if you, we always want to be trying to do things as best as we can. So if there's a technique that you think is better or that, that supposedly is better, I think you need to go and try it and see. And if that is mm -hmm. better for your muscle and then, then you, you need to do it. Um, but to go back to the decline bench, um, but do you ever, do you ever program that for anybody or anything like that? Man, I don't, I, I haven't. I, I, I don't either. I mean, I, I, I get this question. I don't know if you ever get this question, but I feel like I get it every once in a while about, Oh, the decline bench. And again, really? I, yeah. Like, should you do the decline bench? And it's like, well, I mean, if you like it and you think you get a good stimulus from it, I mean, who am I to say, no, you shouldn't do it. But my thought with it is I think the setup's a pain in the ass for it to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I don't know how you can even set up a decline dumbbell bench without having somebody um yeah it's scary body view, <laughs> I, you know? I i honestly forgot decline bench was a thing i know like yeah. back in back in college like our rec center had like the decline bench barbell setups that were like, just a fixed decline bench and we would do we would but then it was like okay what's every angle like what's every bench press variation i can think of i'm gonna do those so it was like flat bench incline bench decline bench dips so it was like a kind of a different, I would say from my perspective, I would think like a costal cable press or like a dip is going to be a much better option, but I kind of forgot I was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot it was a thing. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, so your thought on it is like, mm -hmm. like, so I guess, yeah, again, just to kind of get your thoughts on that, you feel like there is basically you were saying like, you know, obviously you don't want it. Like, even if just because you feel something in a certain muscle doesn't necessarily mean that that's right for you. Like you obviously think that there are better ways to go about the technique and, and things like that. Or, I mean, I think that you should, I think that it's part of the equation, but again, like taking it back to the booty band example we talked about earlier, right? Like you feel that, but are you, you feel that in your butt, but are you actually growing muscle from it? Not necessarily, probably not. Um, <clears throat> 
I don't think it should be like, wow, I never feel my muscles working. I think it's just like, all right. So if we look at again, like not to get like too complex with this, but like the lengthen versus shorten movements, right? We know that most movements that are overloaded muscle in the lengthen position are probably going to stimulate more muscle growth than a movement that overloads a muscle in the short position. That said, a movement that's going to typically give like the best pump and the best feel is going to be a movement that overloads a muscle in the short position, because that's where we're really like able to, that's where it's hardest when we're fully contracted. Right. So thus we feel it a lot more, but that's not necessarily going to be more conducive to muscle growth. Right. So I'm not, like, you should probably feel things working, but like on the flip side, I think it's easy to get caught up in like, like I was talking to a client this last week about like, Hey, I feel my upper back in my back squat. Right. And she was, so like, she's someone who's working at a very limited gym, um, basically like a CrossFit gym and where like one of her, her main quad focus movement is a heel elevated barbell back squat. Right. Like that's what we come up with as the best option for her. And she was worried that like, Hey, like I also feel these other muscle groups working and like a lot of time, like within compound movements, especially there's just going to be like a lot going on there, a lot of different muscle groups working. And I think people can get too caught up in what should I feel? Not to say I should never feel anything, but if we're only focusing on sensation, basically my point is like, you could just do like, if that was, if the goal was just like feel things the most, we could just do like cable chest flies for chest, lateral raises, spider curls. And you would feel that a lot, but like you wouldn't get very jacked. It's, so that's kind of like a, taking your point and like way over exaggerating it. Cause I know that's not what you were saying, but I think like, that's, I think there's a fine line between like, does, yeah, we should feel like the target tissues are being worked, which is again, is why we use like this pump and disruption. But also we need to look at like, am I setting myself, am I putting the muscle in a position to be successful? Am I like using movements that are going to be very conducive to growth versus just purely focusing on what I feel. Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And, and yeah, you shouldn't just focus on that because like you said, then you, you essentially can just train, like you said, in very short, small ranges of motion and, and, and that will help you feel uh, the, the muscle working. And like you said, you could just do certain exercise and that's all you do and you're going to be missing uh, a ton there. Uh, I guess though, my question to that is, so like, you'll see like, Hey, you don't want to do this this way. Right. But let's say a certain technique does you feel like works better for you and you mm. feel a really good stimulus there. Like yeah. what would you what would you say to that? Like what are your thoughts there on that? Man, I would say that's probably and it depends. I think that's where it's like technique is gonna look a little bit different for anyone, right? Like you squatting versus me squatting is gonna look different. One, you're just gonna be stronger than mine. But two, like there's there's so much variability from person to person. I think that's where, huh, again, we could like, okay, so let's say like you're doing a, let's say you're doing a sumo squat, like a wide stance sumo squat. And it's like, hey, I feel my glutes here better than if I do like a squat where I'm really focusing on and I like a squat isn't even going to be the best example of this. Let's say like a sumo Romanian deadlift versus a narrower stance Romanian deadlift, right? And it's like, hey, I feel this a little bit more when I do this sumo Romanian deadlift. But you know, like, okay, like with how wide your legs are, you're literally like putting yourself in a position where most of that load is going to be on adductors and not necessarily targeting the muscles that and adductors, not necessarily actually targeting the muscles we want. So like sensation might be a little bit greater there but you're not actually like putting yourself in a position to train like the glute max, for example. Uh, but on the flip side, then I think it's way too easy to get dramatic about, Hey, this is how everybody's techniques should look across the board. And that's where I think it's okay to like, can you still hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On the flip side, I think it's okay. If like you're doing a movement and it's like, okay, I got done with all my work sets I don't like if I hadn't actually gone through that, let's like, let's say you did a set of hack squats and you did three sets and you leave that. And it's like, wow, I really like, if I hadn't like, I've actually gone through that. I wouldn't have even known that I trained my legs. Right. Okay. Again, that's probably like, even if your technique was like, quote unquote, what it should have been, that's probably a good sign that there's something missing there. Right. And especially if you're taking it to the point where like, okay, I know I only had like 
one to two more reps left in the tank, but still like there's not a lot of quote unquote disruption here. Okay. Then that's a good sign that, Hey, we probably do need to play with your technique. Right. And maybe like you watch somebody's video on YouTube of how to do your hack squat and you emulated them exactly. Hey, we probably do need to play with this a little bit more and try to adjust that to something that does feel like more quote unquote disruptive to you. Does that make sense as an answer? Yeah. 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 No, hundred uh, percent. One, one thing that I saw today was, and I, I'm not going to like say who, but I just saw something about uh, a lat uh, pullover basically. Um, and it was like, Hey, you know, this is going to train a little bit more around. I just saw that. Yeah. And so, my, you know, my question to you is, okay, that's fine. And I think biomechanically, you know, if you did it, okay, it's, it, it's more of a round weight exercise. I think it was or rear delts. I think it was whatever. Um, but if you feel it more in your lats, what are your thoughts there on that? Do you think then that it is a good lat exercise or do you think that it, you know, because, you know, biomechanically speaking, it hits your rear delts more that no, no matter what it's a, it's a rear delt exercise. Does that make sense? Do you, do you kind of understand what I'm asking there on that though? Absolutely. So yeah. let me say first, I think this is going to be a different conversation for me and you versus someone that, for example, starts coaching. You are so like, if you come to me and you say, I love a lap pull, the movement you're talking about is a lat, like a lat pullover with a straight bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'm pretty sure I saw this post right before this. Mm-hmm. So if you come to me and you say, as you, someone who has successfully built a lot of muscle tissue and you say like lat pullover works great for me. I know that like, this has been one of my staple lat movements for years and it's really helped me grow my lats. And I can see like, Hey, this might not be the most ideal setup, but also there's a lot of merit to the fact that it has worked well for you in the past. Um, that's a hard conversation. Like, and I know you understand this from our, like our, my programming for you, a lot of it is like, okay, dude, how does this feel? Like what, what movements are feeling good for you versus like, where do you feel like things are kind of selling out? Um, so like, I don't think we should just take that off the table just because like biomechanically from like for one person, it might not be the most optimal because also we could like if it's like, no, dude, that's not the best setup. Let's instead do a step back hammer strength, one arm row. And you're like, man, like I spent the last four weeks doing this. This movement just doesn't feel good to me. I don't feel like I get any pump or any disruption in my lats. Like it would be kind of hard to argue like, no, you got to keep doing this instead of this because it's like, from my understanding of biomechanics is going to be a more optimal setup. Man, that's a very, that's a very nuanced conversation. No, I don't know. What's your take? I kind of what I said at the beginning, like it, so biomechanics are not my like strong point. Right. So, uh, you know, if somebody knows more than me, I'm more than happy to listen to them and and hear what they have to say about it. But I just, to me, and I make this point in my post, like, I just feel like it's sometimes it can get so black and white thinking with it. Like somebody sees that and now they're like, okay, well now I'm never going to do that because I don't think it's a good exercise because so-and-so says biomechanically it's that. It's that. And like, I just feel like it's, it's more black and white and this kind of goes back to how we are with like food, you know, like, Hey, this food's good no matter what, but you don't really know everything that goes into it. So that's just my thought on it. But again, I, yeah. I could be completely wrong. Like you bring up the point where you said like, Hey, I, you could just do spire curls and you can feel it in your arms, but that might not necessarily be the best way to train your arms as a whole. So that's, that's just my, you know, again, like I'm open to it whatever on it. I just, yeah, no, I think that, I think it's like a gray area. I think that I like definitely like from who you're like, who you're referring to. And there's like definitely a group of people that are like, this is a dumbass exercise. Don't ever do this shit. Do this exercise instead. And I think that's like a lot more black and white where again, it's a lot more gray on the flip side. I think that like from a coaching perspective, understanding, like I said before with hypertrophy, how can I put this person, how can I put their muscles in a position to be as successful as possible without them having to think through it a ton? Like how can I get them success as quickly as possible? I think like understanding how our body moves and like what's going to be the easiest way. Like, okay, I know this movement for most people is going to allow them to much better generate tension in their lats with like as much smaller margin for error, as much smaller chance that they like go three weeks without actually doing the move, which again, like that's a big part of why we take form videos as well. But like, I think biomechanics can like help you 
start someone out with, okay, these are probably movements that right away you're going to be able to take it and like make considerable progress. Now within that, what you're going to see is almost always to be like, Hey, this movement feels bad. This movement feels bad. I love these ones. Okay. So within those ones that feel bad, let's look at your execution even deeper and like everything there looks good. Okay. Maybe we do need to like plug in a slightly different variation here. Again, like, I think it's, it's not just like gospel, like, nope, this is the best one for your last and the shorter position. This is what everybody's doing. Cause that's basically like, this is a meal plan. Right. And this is like what every single person should follow. It, it varies, but I think we agree on this, but yeah. I'm not sure. No, I, I, I agree. I just, I really want to hear your thoughts on it just because I, I feel like lately I've been seeing a lot more and maybe I just am following different people now, or I don't know, but I just feel like lately there's been a lot of talk about like biomechanics more lately. Again, it could just be who I follow on social media. Um, and so I was just curious to hear your yeah. thoughts because I just feel like you can just, as we are right now, you can get so deep into it that like, you just, you know, it's, it's a gray area, but yeah. So yeah. I mean, some people say like, okay, Arnold did this, right? So I should like, if it worked for Arnold, it'll work for me, which not, like not always on the flip side. I, I, yeah. Again, like I think it's, it's, you can go just way too far either way, the middle ground. But to say that, obviously I think with anything, if you're not happy with your results and, or you want to always continue to get better, you always do need to look at these things and see if there's a better way to do them. And, and you know, there's, things that you can look at. Right. I, I think if, you yeah. know, just to say like, Hey, if you're not seeing progress and then just be like, Oh, that's it. I know everything. Then obviously that's where you can get yourself into trouble. But you know, I just feel like sometimes these, I think sometimes people put a little too, too much, they make it too black and white almost, but that's just a matter of, of, of opinion. I agree. So, um, I agree fully. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's go on to the, to the next uh, question. Um, so it's how crucial is supersetting when it comes to increasing metabolism? Um, man, not at all. I would say, yeah, no, you don't need a superset to increase your metabolism. Um, I, I really like, wouldn't even correlate those two. I would look at it as a whole, just getting stronger. In the, I mean, like maybe like, Hey, if we do more supersets and straight sets as a whole, we're burning more calories within our training. But I would say like if your focus is on burning more calories within your training, you're probably going to get a worse stimulus for building muscle and building muscle, like in the bigger play outside of that, like 60 minute training session is going to be more beneficial for your metabolism than like burning more calories within the session. So I would look at like, if your focus is on increasing metabolism, I would look at, Hey, what can I do within my training to build as much muscle as possible? And that's going to be the best way to increase your metabolism. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I was, I didn't think that you were going to go any other way with that, that question. And, and I'm glad you answered that way because I do feel like people definitely focus too much on, and I think this question comes from, from a place of how can I increase how many calories I burn in a training session? Because then, you know, people equate that to burning more fat, but it's like, that's not the goal of training, right? I mean, you're, it's not to, right. to burn as many calories. Cause if that were the case, then I mean, like, again, then you could probably use this. You just, try to do high intensity type stuff as, as possible to increase your, to increase your energy expenditure. Um, but like you said, like, this is where I think people probably get themselves in trouble, right? Uh, the, the most is that right. they only focus on how many calories they're burning in a training session uh, when that doesn't matter. Right. Like you said, we want to build muscle and that in turn over time is going to get you to burn more. That that's going to increase your energy expenditure over time. And again, it's, it's weird. I, I think it's a weird thing because, on paper, it would make sense. Like, Hey, you want to burn as many calories as possible when you work out, but it actually long-term does not make the most sense to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, like no matter what, how much you crush yourself in a training session, you just don't burn that many calories. Like it's never going to be, unless you're training it, like it, unless you're Michael Phelps, right. Who was, I don't, you always would hear people talk about Michael Phelps and like how much he had to eat to maintain unless you're like to that level, which I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is, um, you're just not burning that many calories in a training session. So like, it's not going to make that much of a difference for your fat loss either way, like in the short term. Um, what will make a difference for your fat loss is, or for your physique is having more muscle. Like as you get leaner through your nutrition, your physique will look better. Or like 
if we even maintain our body fat and add like five pounds of muscle tissue right there, your body fat percentage decreased because the ratio of muscle to fat improved. Right. So like, and like long-term moving a heavier, more dense body and being able to lift heavier, more challenging weights is going to lead to more calories burned both in your training sessions and like at rest, you're going to be burning more calories because it takes more calories. Now that's not like a huge jump. I think it's like six calories per day per pound of muscle, but a big part of that too is like moving a more dense body through space is going to require you to burn more calories 24 seven. And that's, that's the biggest piece of it when it comes to metabolism. Yeah, no, that that's a good point. I was about to say that and, and you beat me to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not so much again that it's not that because muscle itself doesn't like burn that many more calories, but again, like you said, you're moving a bigger body through space. And so that's going to burn more calories. Um, and again, I had one more thing I wanted to bring up on that and, and you brought that last point up and I got to thinking of that. Um, oh, this is what it was. So with that too, I feel like the more calories you try to burn in a training session, you also are going to fatigue yourself. So then you're less likely to move around overall. And therefore you're like working super hard in one training session. And then you get so tired that your overall activity goes down. So overall you're burning less calories. So it's almost like doing it that way to try to burn as many calories in a session can almost hurt you uh, in a way. I don't know if that's no, something, for sure. I, I don't know if that's something that you commonly see uh, with with people that come to you. Obviously, you don't have your clients do that, but they come to you. I'm sure that that's something that you see there. No, yeah, that's that's a very very common mistake people are making. Yeah. Um, cool. um, do you have time for one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Yep. Cool. All right. Last question I had is, what's with the hype around athletic greens? Are you buying it? Are you curious like me? Athletic greens are those. I don't even know what that is. Is it just like so a green athletic, it, yeah, it's just greens powder. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with those, yeah, with green supplements, um, man, I don't, I don't know your thoughts on them, but I rarely, I've never recommended green supplements to anybody. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, my understanding is, yeah, they have some properties that greens have in them, but you're better off getting that through food and what I, and why I say that is because, you know, that food is going to fill you up and it's, you know, it's going to cause you to eat less calories overall, especially if, you know, fat loss is your goal. So I think you're missing a big thing there by taking a green supplement over trying to get actual food in. Um, plus from my understanding, I've never taken them. They all taste like shit. So, you know, I think that's a big thing too. Maybe this one doesn't, I, I don't know for sure. Um, but in my, you know, my, my personal, personal recommendation is, you know, I would just really try to push the client in trying to actually eat it rather than spending, you know, money on trying to get a green supplement. Uh, I'm sure in some cases they can be great, but that's one that I've never really gotten on the hype for, uh, you know, like supplements in general. I'm, you know, again, I'll never use that as a first recommendation, but, you know, I've definitely come on to like, you know, I think multivitamins are, are a great thing to supplement in creatine, you know, yeah. protein powder, but something like that, I've never really gotten into. Um, and again, my, yeah. mainly for the reason that like, if you are on like a fat loss diet, you want to get that food. You want to actually have that food go into your stomach. Cause that can be one way to help fill you up. Um, and by doing yeah. a green supplement, you're going to be missing out on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, athletic greens specifically, they're, I think just good marketing. Um, I don't, I don't really follow anybody that pushes athletic greens anymore. I used to quite a bit. I would say first, I don't think they're different than any other greens powder on the market. Um, Gabrielle Fundaro, when she was on the podcast, which what that had to be like 60 to 70 episodes ago. But if you look back on that, um, I, did you have her on your podcast as well? I have not had her on yet. Nope. Okay. She talked about greens powders a little bit and basically like, I don't think that they're, I would say there's potentially some benefits there. Like if you're missing out on the thing is like, there's not a lot of research behind it. Right. So I would say like for most people at worst is in that neutral, there's probably some benefits. You probably aren't getting nearly as the amount of nutrients that you would get if you just ate it from veggies. So I would agree that probably be more optimal. Um, 
but past that, they're just kind of like unproven as far as like, Hey, does this really, do these really have the benefits that you would get from actually like eating whatever nutrients are in here versus eating them from veggies? Like that's not something that's been proven yet. So again, like how she described it, definitely as someone that's much smarter than me in this regard is as kind of a net neutral. Um, it doesn't hurt if you want to spend money on it, but it's hard to know, like, does it really benefit anything or not? I would say athletic greens, especially, I know is one that is hella expensive for greens powder. Um, I would say probably not superior to anything else on the market. That's like a trusted brand. Like I know like Legion has a greens powder, for example, don't they? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, if you want to get one, definitely go Legion. (laughs) Um, Plug our Legion discount codes here. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, yeah, that'd be my take on that. Yeah. And you, you bring up a good point there. Uh, you know, again, and I need to be better at this, but like anything like that, and this goes back to even like the decline bench thing, like I have to be better at being like, Oh, you know, things aren't good or bad. Right. Like if, if you find that for you, like that works and it makes you feel better, like by all means, I, I go ahead and do it. Right. Like, I think it's great for you. Like, uh, you know, who am I to tell you not to do that if it makes you feel good. Right. Um, but kind of like you said, it's at best kind of a net neutral. So like, if, again, if you want to spend the money on it and that's okay with you, like by, by all means, go ahead and, and do it. But like you mentioned though, there's probably not that athletic greens is better than any other brand out there. Um, but if you do want one, uh, Legion is a way to go probably. <laughs> Uh, cool man um this actually is going to be the 100th episode so you were on the first episode and the let's 100th go I, I don't even know how that happened yeah, I'm honored. I, I did not plan that out but yeah so um let's yeah, go i'm flattered dude yeah I'm, I'm proud of you man it's been cool <laughs> to watch you do the podcast and all of your growth through this it's been cool to also to see like how much you've grown as an interviewer from like our first podcast this is like our 69th episode now we're like yeah <laughs> just it's, it's been really cool to see man i'm proud of you yeah no i appreciate it and just so if anyone has like jumped on throughout you know jeremiah was one that got me to do this and he was the very first episode and i'm probably was not very good the first time i did it i mean i'm still not great now i i feel like no matter what like even 100 episodes is a lot but it's really not that many um, at the same time plus this is 50 for interviewing people right interviewing and doing it on your own is as you know a little bit different um Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit different overall um but yeah no uh appreciate you pushing me to do this it's been podcasting is it's like and and i remember you made this post like right before i started mine it's like like when i get done i always feel good but like before i'm just like oh man this is like it's like so nerve wracking and you know, you just are like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this today, but once oh, you yeah. get done, you always, you always feel better. And plus it opened up uh, being able to talk to a lot of people that I looked up to in the industry. So that's been uh, super cool too. So uh, yeah, man, appreciate you doing that. I saw that you had Jordan lips come on recently onto yours. Was that the yeah, first, dude, that was a great episode. Was that the first, first time I talked with him? Mm-hmm. No, but I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. He's really cool and a really good interview too. Like he's a good guy to have on to just, he, he talks and he, he spits out a lot of, of good knowledge. So, um, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. That, my episode with him just dropped today, actually. So. Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, point people in that direction. Um, anything else coming up for you or anything like that? Man, I don't think so as of now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, when we're, our own uh, business owners and stuff like that. You just, it's not like you're always doing new shit all the time. You know, you always kind of just have to keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, so it's not like you always have this crazy, new crazy stuff coming up, but just wanted to make sure, um, obviously people know where to find you. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for coming on again. And we'll obviously do this again soon.